inside content. Welcome to Inside Content, the podcast from 3Vision, giving you VIP access to the insights and experiences of senior TV executives. This episode, our CEO Toby caught up with Barry Chamberlain before he leaves Viacom CBS after 21 successful years. They discuss the effect of COVID on international TV sales, the Viacom CBS licensing strategy as Paramount Plus launches, and the concept of parachute programming. Hi, Barry. Thanks for joining me on Inside Content. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's great, Toby. You know, nothing's going on in this world. It's just the normal, normal stuff. Uh, no, everything's fine here. It's nice to see you anyway. So, uh, so it's been, uh, amazingly, just over a year since Viacom and CBS came together. Um, you know, obviously that's created a massive international distribution business that you now oversee. And it seems to me that the uh, whole process moved very, very quickly to set up the new structure. How, how's all of that gone? And, you know, obviously it's been happening against the really unexpected backdrop of a pandemic. Yeah, sure. It's uh, It's been an interesting year. Uh, I, I would say that, um, you know, to your point about it, it coming together quickly, the the long anticipated uh, reuniting of of CBS and Paramount under the Viacom umbrella um, was anticipated for quite some time. Um, we uh, we announced it back in December of uh, of 2019, which seems like ages ago, and uh, you know we had some quick meetings and thoughts about how to put the teams together. And uh, there's a, frankly, a ton of excitement and um, uh, anticipating the fact that we could bring this, these, this portfolio together, as you'll probably know. I mean, we were together about 15 years ago and uh, this is sort of more like reuniting um, Paramount and CBS, uh, and and there is a Viacom component as well, which we can talk about. Um, so, look, it, a lot has changed in that 15-year period. Um, CBS, on the one hand, had the growth of Showtime over that period of time to become one of the you know pre, uh, premier premium content uh, suppliers in the international marketplace. Uh, CBS continued on its path of, of uh, you know, producing incredible procedurals for the CBS network and, and now, you know, other platforms as well, other networks and the likes of Netflix and Amazon. Um, and then, you know, Paramount has, uh, from a feature perspective, uh, is coming out of, out of sort of a, a, a challenging period and, and had, you know, a, a really good outlook for 2020 and 2021. Uh, so look, there was a ton of excitement and then, and we got our groups together in February of this year and, and we uh, established our team. We have now 20 offices outside the US to distribute content. Uh, so we're you know well positioned in the marketplace and uh, in the time zones where our clients are. So everything was uh, going according to plan. And then, you know, just a couple of weeks after we met for the first time, we were all in lockdown. So um, 
that was uh, unexpected to say the least. And uh, we've been at it since then. So I so. guess you were you were actually pretty lucky to get that basic structure together and kind of all get together, um, you know, before it before uh, COVID hit us. And I I, I uh, think you know then I guess you've transitioned to uh, using you know Zoom and other you know video yeah. conferencing and stuff like that. How's how's that all been to kind of because I you know I guess you put the structure together, but you're still like there's a lot of integration work and people getting yeah. to know each other and setting up systems and all that's been done remotely, I guess. Yeah, thankfully we had uh, four days to, <laughs> to actually meet face-to-face -face for one time. Uh, so, you know, that was a, that was a plus. Um, since then, it's been, I don't know, Zoom calls from 8 to, 8 to 7 p.m. most days. Um, you know, I got to give credit to the team of, of really digging in and, and uh, working hard. It's, uh, it's, this is, as you know, Zoom calls day in and day out it, internally with our clients is uh, exhausting. But, um, you know, it would be, it's hard enough to put teams together in the normal uh, sense of the, yeah, world, right. uh, of the word, but uh, when you can't travel and, and have coffees and, and sit around a conference room and, and really truly understand uh, the concepts that we're trying to, to put, you know, to help integrate this team, we're doing, we're doing well, um, but there are challenges um, and all, all things considered, I, I couldn't be you know, prouder of, of the efforts and, and all the work that's gone into moving this forward. We might be a little bit further ahead if we could have connected in person, you know, a lot more. Okay, great. Well, well done. And I'm, you know, we're all, we're all really keen to uh, that time when we'll be, be able to get back together face to face. So hopefully it's not going to be uh, too long now. Hopefully not. <laughs> so um, one of the things, obviously, we've been talking about a lot on inside content is the is the impact of COVID nineteen on the on the TV industry, and I think uh, all of our listeners will be really interested to get your uh, views on the impact. And you know, at a very basic level, I I guess for you, I would imagine there's kind of a downside from some stalled production and delayed movie releases, but then a good upside in increased library sales. Is, is that broadly, broadly right? Yeah, look, it's, it's um, when COVID started, you know, productions obviously just shut down. So uh, we didn't have the LA screenings, which was is always a, an event that we all look forward to and, and the ability to um, showcase our new content for the the marketplace obviously the market has is really you know dramatically changing you know aside from covid which we can talk about separately but yeah product the pilots halted productions uh you know between march and you know may which is when we would have had pilots coming into place and and show those to the, the advertising community for the US, uh, but then the international buying community. It continued on with delays for uh, returning shows. So the, the main impact on the, the current programs is, is really the number of episodes that, that we're anticipating, the delay in, in those productions. Um, 
And there's a lot of confusion and uncertainty about, you know, when, you know, we get calls from clients saying, you know, when do you think it'll happen? When do you think we'll have our first episode of, of the next season of NCIS or the next season of, of Pick a Show? Um, and, you know, for a long time, we, we had to shrug our shoulders and say, we're trying to figure it out. It, it, it's, it's hard enough for me to articulate. Can you imagine what it's like to be a producer and, and a, a network that doesn't, right. is, you know, that's a, <laughs> this is unprecedented, right? Yeah. No one yeah. could anticipate what would, what would occur. So, you know, there were definitely holes in schedules and, and, you know, with our, you know, immense library of, of, uh, of shows that, you know, broadcasters around the world could, uh, really bank on, frankly, you know, everyone knows how well an episode of, of uh, NCIS or, you know, FBI is going to perform in a rerun perspective, you know, that's, we were there for our client base. And, and there's been some, you know, efforts to try some more nostalgic type programming. And let's face it, you know, the ad market was in for a lot of our our clients, including all the U.S. broadcasters, was was hit pretty dramatically. So the I guess the slight silver lining to the pandemic, from a library perspective, is is, is that we were able to offer and continue to offer our clients content that they know is going to work. So one of my colleagues called it parachute programming. You know, you could just drop in and know that you're going to, you know, perform in a time slot and then, and, and that that's helpful for. Yeah. Like it. That's a, yeah. Parachute programming. That's a, that's a good term. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hang on to that. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. And, and what about, what about movies? Cause I, certainly a few people I've spoken to have said that some broadcasters have been, you know, filling up their schedules with, with, uh, with feature films, especially when they've lost, you know, they've lost live sport in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah look, uh, um, it, we've seen uh, really a buoyant market for our, our feature content. You know, again, we've got the the um, embarrassment of riches in, in terms of uh, feature library with, you know, Godfathers and all these incredible titles from the Paramount feature library. So uh, yeah, uh, pre you know without sport, without live content, you know um, events you can create events around features. So even CBS, who hadn't done a a feature uh, broadcast for years, in October uh, did a Sunday night movie, and it did very well, better than people had anticipated. And so you know, there's really right. interesting, interesting. Uh, good good. Uh, opportunities with that as well so we've been we've been able to be there for you know our our client base and and i guess i guess there's going to be a a kind of tricky situation coming up uh next year and potentially a little bit beyond for services that are relying on uh pay one movies because there's going to be a big kind of gap there yeah have you thought about how how that's all going to work we're always thinking about it, Toby. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky situation with the the lack of of features in theaters. People not go; they're either closed. There's concerns about going into a theater, which I completely understand. 
you know, it's, and then, and then features from the, the, the slight, the slates for the, you know, the second half of 2021 getting delayed. We've had the, you know, we've had to mitigate a couple of these titles by licensing them to global streamers which is not the, you know, the strategy uh, that you go in, in making them where we remain committed to the theatrical business, you, you know, albeit it is changing. Uh, yeah. So I, I know that uh, our company is, is trying to, to figure it out as we speak, you know, uh, with, with the announcement of Warner Brothers uh, doing their, uh, releasing their slate, at least in the U.S., um, on HBO Max, as well as within theaters. I don't know how many are going to get released in theaters and you know, for them, but that's that was a big, uh, big announcement for the, the industry. And, you know, let's just say that those theatricals are now backlogged. So we have, there's a incredible volume of of quality titles, you know, we like to think that they're all quality titles, but uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of theatrical that's going to be available, and you want to be able to obviously maximize the potential in in the exhibition space. You know, can you imagine titles like um, uh, Top Gun or Wonder Woman with a two week re- two week exhibition window? It, it feels you know, feels ch- very challenged if you can't get the full value of that theatrical yeah. window. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You, that's that's the issue that we're all facing right now. Yeah, yeah. It's really. I mean, it's very interesting how the how the pandemic has, uh, I think, accelerated lots of uh, lots of trends in lots of different businesses. Uh, you know, ours ours included, because we've been talking for years about the kind of idea of. Uh, premium TVOD or that kind of, you know, early release, early release TVOD at a higher price for people who maybe, you know, can't so easily get to the, uh, get to the theatres, but this is, this is uh, kind of accelerated all of that. And, uh, but I, I think you, I mean, I think you're, it's interesting what you're just saying there about there being a kind of um, glut in releases. Cause I think, I think in, you know, what, as we go into 2021 and, vaccines start to become available and hopefully everything starts to normalize a bit more I think we're going to see some interesting kind of bounce back in um, various different segments of, of our you know of our business so you know at the theaters but also um, also you know advertising in free TV I guess but then we've seen during the course of this year kind of growth in the streaming services do you think then next year as Assuming things start to get back to normal, there's going to be a kind of rebound in uh, the sort of ad-supported free TV business. And are the streamers going to kind of hang on to all those new subs they got, or are they going to find it more challenging as people's behavior changes? If, if I only knew the answer to all those <laughs> questions, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> I'd be investing a lot. Uh, the, well, we certainly hope that the ad-supported market you know, bounces back. I think we've seen some some improvements and some, um, well, more than just some improvements. Some some really strong uh, ad ad market bounce backs in in territories. Uh, it's not, you know, when 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 this thing hit in March April, there was some real, you know, backward movement 
in the ad market and revenues for for broadcasters, including our own. Uh, I had heard, you know, year on year uh, comps of you know a 50, 70 percent drops in some among some broadcasters around the world, and that's scary. Yeah, no, I'd heard similar. Yeah, yeah, it it was. Uh, <laughs> shocking and and you know but i think a lot of that was reactionary a lot of uncertainty don't you know uh, just a pullback you know and then what what are you advertising for uh in 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 the middle of a pandemic right. you have uh it, you can't sell cars you can't you know sell a lot of goods it's um so that was a, a challenging time i think we've seen some uh some significant recovery which is good uh, and we're, we're certainly hopeful and, and, and planning for better, uh, better returns in the ad market. I think it'll also, you know, fuel some growth in the ad supported video on demand market. We've seen increased growth in monthly uh, users on Pluto, which has been really promising and other ad supported on demand platforms. So we think that that, that the market you know, when you combine the on-demand viewing and the habits that are occurring in that space, I think we're also seeing there's a a growth and and um, and willingness for people to uh, watch on-demand and also actually linear internet viewing, um, scheduled internet viewing on platforms like Pluto. Yeah, that's very interesting, isn't it? I think we've seen you know we're seeing that. Um you know, that trend with quite a few different services. And and it's it was kind of surprising to me, actually, that uh, those services are, seem to be, you know, growing uh, growing so well. And, and uh, you know, I think, I guess it just shows there is a, there is a market for that kind of, uh, you know, easy lean back television where people don't want to have to be doing too much searching for content and uh, they just want something that's, that's, uh, a, a kind of easy experience. Look, I mean, as you know, the consumption of content has never been more than than today, right? You know, so there's a lot of interesting and provocative and mind blowing content that's being produced uh, around the world. Uh, that's typically reserved for premium platforms. And then you have, like you say, the lean back, you know, let's relax and we know what we're going to we're going to get programming that's that's historically been reserved for broadcast uh and you know there are we're seeing this sort of convergence that um plat on-demand platforms there's also a space for for shows that you you know how it's going to end but you want to go along for the ride and 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 not have to uh work too hard if if you yeah if exactly and there's there's a place for both of those Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, okay, great. Well, look, let's move on now and um, talk about the whole D to C space, because obviously we're in a very, very interesting time in the kind of development of the industry, as many of the big studios are focusing on direct-to-consumer initiatives. And one extreme, you've got Disney, who are kind of betting the farm on Disney Plus and the other D2C services they've got. And then maybe at the other extreme, you've got someone like Sony that's following their uh, arms dealer strategy, uh, selling to, you know, selling to any service they can find, and but not not doing not not launching their own service. 
so we've heard about some of FICOM, CBS's strategy with Paramount Plus already, um, but could you share a bit more about your, your plans and thinking about how you're navigating around the D2C future and how you're going to be, how that's going to be changing your kind of international content licensing business? Well, I like to think that we're navigating it uh, intelligently. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Viacom CBS has um, announced the expansion and we call it supersizing of the existing uh, Paramount Plus platforms um, in the Nordics and in Latin America. And we're also rebranding um, uh, CBS's uh, legacy 10 all access uh, platform in Australia to uh, to Paramount Plus in 2021. So uh, those are three platforms of which we're increasing the content and the breadth of the content that has historically been there. That's a result of our, you know, the merging of our companies and where we've negotiated um, output deals for both the Showtime and uh, CBS All Access turning into Paramount Plus um, content that's uh, going to be on those platforms in 2021. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, Toby, we've got a, a, you know, an immense amount of content. We can't, we're, we can't, there's room for both, right? There's room for supplying content to our own direct-to-consumer platforms, uh, there are more ambition, ambitions within our company to, to grow but, and grow into other territories. But, but we, have, we have so much content that we can, we can do both. So I think we're sort of in the middle, being strategic and collaborating with, uh, with our colleagues at uh, uh, Viacom CBS Networks International, who runs the Paramount Plus International uh, platforms. Uh, but we're also out there closing deals, output volume uh, packages with, uh, with third parties. And uh, we've got content that, we're, that comes from Paramount Studios, from CBS uh, Studios, Showtime, Paramount Plus slash All Access, content for premium, cable and SVOD, broadcast, syndication even in the US. Yeah, well I guess it's out from what you're saying it sounds like you've got you've got way more way way more content in the truck than that platform could uh, could could manage in any case but uh, Yeah, and, but and and also look, we you remember the we 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 loan or lease our content out to third parties, right? So it always comes back and then we get to rethink and figure out what's going on in the marketplace. We obviously want to have flexibility to see where our company goes. So, you know, we're, we're uh, trying to be, and I think successfully uh, be strategic about how we uh, monetize our content. You know, it's, we're, a, we're, we provide a, a real value to um, the company that, that we work for. And, and also we, we need to make sure that the content is being monetized fully, you know, for uh, the stakeholders, the creators and the participants yeah, of these yeah, shows. So that's, we, that's a, yeah. And I think that's a really, I mean, that's a really uh, in, in, important part of the whole process and the, the whole kind of equation that I think is yeah. sometimes uh, 
sometimes Forgotten. not really fully understood, <laughs> you know, by people that, that, you know, and I guess, so I guess you have to have a fun, a fun negotiation every time with your, you know, your colleagues that are, that are running, going to be running Paramount Plus on uh, what, what they're going to license exactly and what they're going to pay for it. These are, these are arms length negotiations. Uh, truly, we, we, you know, know what the market value of our content is and, and we, uh, we're talking to third parties at the same time. So we are, are looking to, uh, to deliver, deliver on our, you know, fiduciary responsibility to the content. Right. Got you. Got you. Great. So, um, we don't have loads more time, but there's one, one area that I did want to try and uh, talk about a little bit today, um, which was, uh, getting into more detail about rights. So, um, you know, we find that many of the distributors uh, we talk to are often kind of bringing up the increased challenges they have with broadcaster clients asking for more and more rights in the first window. And in, you know, in the case of some markets, I think we're already uh, at the position where full season stacking and box sets are kind of becoming the norm. And then, you know, then when we speak to uh, broadcasters, they're telling us uh, that, well, you know, the distributors might not want to give us all those rights, but we really do need the comprehensive set of rights to be able to compete with the, with the global streamers. So it's uh, quite a kind of tricky balancing act here. And I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to sort of hear about how you, how you, how you navigate around that. I think uh, tricky is the uh, appropriate <laughs> uh definition of of what we do i look we look at every, every we have to approach each arrangement with our eyes open understanding what's going on in a particular market because it can be different on a territory by territory basis uh it's these are commercial discussions that you understand what we what we grant uh from a rights perspective or what we limit from a holdbacks perspective um, has downstream impact. Uh, so we just have to um, take each opportunity and and try to predict or to evaluate what that impact will be and just ensure that we um, monetize it appropriately. You know, I think it, we've we've joked a little bit to some folks that uh and don't take this the wrong way it's it's we, we're not the mafia but it's sort of like the mafia where the the more you pay the more protection you get so it's, uh you know it's uh it's it's the greater the fees the better the opportunity for you know owning it um you know more fully than leasing a part of it um, so it's, it's, it's just a discussion that we get into and they're usually collaborative and we understand, I look, they're, al they're always collaborative because we go in and into it with just, just a discussion of, of what makes sense for the client, what makes sense for us. And we find a way it's, um, yes, there's, there's challenges with, uh, with competition in, in territories with new entrants, uh, impacting, legacy businesses um, and we're there to try to figure it out uh, with with all parties so that we can provide value and they get the value.
you, would you think do you think it's fair to say that kind of proportion of the value is is increasing in the first window of exploitation than than it than it used to certainly some some distributors i've talked to have sort of said they you know they've maybe kind of had a big battle to try and or to, to try and kind of keep as much flexibility for future windows and have kind of taken a lower license fee because of that and then they they found actually they wish they didn't do that because they've had trouble selling that sort of second and third window and 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 that they they wish they'd kind of given more in the first window and really really kind of you know maximize value there look we're con we're constantly tinkering with it right uh and you learn from you learn from your mistakes or you learn from from you what you might hear anecdotally of what's going on um uh we're constantly questioning ourselves as to whether it made sense to do this or that uh, uh we've been pretty satisfied with the results usually and if we did something meaning we took less on a title uh or a you know to try to reserve something for ourselves you know that's we will course correct next time um right there's there's, there's really no this is a very interesting time in our business, right? It's so dynamic. There, the rules are constantly changing uh, or there are no rules, you know, and you try to figure it out as you go along. Um, you know, so it's interesting and we're, we're here to provide, you know, some of the best content around the world, you know, Hollywood, what the best of what Hollywood can offer is what we, what we, we think we supply. And so there will always be a market for our content. We just need to work with partners as we have been for you know, decades in, in uh, being a supplier of, of choice. And that, that involves spending time and understanding and, and, and market knowledge working together. Great, so um, kind of linked to that, let's uh, to wrap up, I'd be, uh, I was wondering if you'd be able to kind of give our listeners um, the inside track on a, a couple of the new shows that you've got coming up that you're really most excited about. Love this part, Toby. Come on. This is a salesperson's <laughs> dream, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got, look, it's, it, we're excited that, that our, our, our production studios are up and running you know, with all the COVID protocols, things have been going very smoothly, uh, which which is really encouraging. Uh, it's a, a testament to the different studios that, that we represent, as well as the various producers that are out there uh, uh, working, you know, day in, day out to keep everyone safe and and uh, putting out, you know, new product. Uh, there's, there's a lot of demand. Um, uh, for content, you know, as soon as possible. And yeah. uh, so what yeah. we got coming up uh, in in early January is is Walker, the sort of the reimagining of the iconic Chuck Norris Walker, Texas Ranger. That's for the CW. Uh, that comes from CBS Studios. It stars Jared Padalecki uh, as a Texas Ranger. Uh, Jared's, you know, longtime CW um, stalwart with uh, Supernatural. And uh, we're excited about that. We've got a lot of interest uh, um, around the world this, to uh, get him on the air soon. Uh, 
we've got uh, Made for Love, which is a Paramount Television Studios uh, production for HBO Max, um, uh, premium show for HBO Max with uh, Kristen Milotti and uh, Ray Romano. There's a great lineup uh, for Showtime uh, for 2021, kind of on the heels of, of some recent productions like The Comey Rule and In Your Honor, which stars Brian Cranston. Uh, we're, we're excited for what, what's coming up. And obviously incredible movies um, from the Paramount uh, feature output, including Top Gun Maverick. We've got another Mission Impossible. Hopefully everything goes smoothly. We can put them in the theaters in 2021. Uh, so look, there's a lot of good production that is, is uh, happening. We'll have pilots uh, for the next season um, that will be coming out in the next couple of months as well. So hopefully the business gets back on track with uh, the, the normal cadence yeah, of, yeah. of an annual So, so do you think potentially we could be seeing a, 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 a kind of a screening, a sort of screenings process that might be sort of heading back to heading back to normal next year? That's a tricky one. I, I you know, I, I'd love to, I'd love to host our international client base in LA, you know, in May, we'll have to see in terms yeah. of, in terms of uh, safety and, and back in the, the, the distribution of the vaccine and travel. Uh, it's really, it's a little premature to say what we're going to be doing, but at the same time, you know, we are, we have platforms that we've developed or in, in the process of, of deploying so we can present a screenings like experience on a virtual basis. You know, obviously we don't have the in and out burgers to, to offer, um, but uh, we, we do, we want to create an environment where people can understand the content, um, appreciate the, the, the fine work that goes into creating, you know, uh, shows that move people, that excite people, that make people laugh, yeah, uh, yeah, which is yeah. what we've been doing for years. And, and if we can get together, um, by all means, we'd love to do that. Uh, if, if we, if we can't, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. So fingers crossed it won't be, won't be too long before we can. So yeah. thank you, Barry. This has been a really, really interesting conversation. If our listeners want to get in contact, what's the best way for them to do that? To reach out. I think there's a, there's a lot of content uh, and information available online. And also I'm, I'm reachable at barry.chamberlain at cbs.com until we change our uh, email addresses. Uh, that's the one that currently works for us. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we'll put it, we'll put that information in the, in the uh, podcast notes also. So uh, Barry, thanks a lot. That's been, uh, been really great. And uh, I hope we'll speak again soon. And I hope we'll be able to uh, meet in person real soon as well. Thanks, Toby. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside Content from 3Vision. You can always reach out to us at 3vision.tv if you want to learn more. Or if you're a business with ambition in the content world, our consultancy services can help. With decades of combined experience, we know the ins and outs of the industry like nobody else.
Catch us next time on Inside Content.